We welcome you to explore the third place with us. It is an invitation to the gray space, a space where deeper connections are fostered through challenging, challenging empowering, and, and engaging dialogue. You will walk away with a deeper understanding of self, equipped to engage with others in life's complex conversations. Thank you for listening. We invite you in to the third place. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Third Place Podcast, where we talk about community, that gray space, the middle space, the and space. We have taken a break and we are excited to be back with you. And this episode, we actually did not have plans. Uh, We had another one planned and that's going to be coming up next. But as we were getting ready to outline uh, what we wanted to talk about, I realized that as a society, so many of us are just still in this place of chaos. My wife is a teacher and we don't know what childcare looks like in the fall. We don't know what school looks like in the fall. And so many people are in that boat. Like there's already chaos, but there's so much additional uncertainty of just unknown that seems to be adding so much chaos. So I asked Mary if she could lead us a little bit more in the practice of presence in the midst of chaos and what she thought about that. And we really just felt like that was a great topic um, to talk through. And whether it's we have kids that are going back to school or are trying to figure out childcare or our employers that are trying to wrestle with the same questions on our employees' behalf, um, there's just so much chaos and so much unknown, but presence is such a grounding tool and practice. And I think that really helps us in the midst of chaos to be intentional about creating spaces of presence. So. Yeah. I was going to say the first time I experienced true chaos was becoming a parent where suddenly you, you realize you have no control over everything. And then this is a whole new layer of that. But for me personally, I was born into chaos being the youngest of five. I have, you know, four siblings, I was oftentimes raised by my siblings and then my two parents. And so there was a seven of us and we were just like a clan. And, and I've always known sort of a, a high vibration environment. And I have in turn attracted a lot of chaos I've noticed. So this conversation is so current for me, but also a lifelong practice because I have notice that chaos and attracting it and being in it has been unsustainable on my body and has negatively impacted me in the form of struggling with insomnia and anxiety and having certain workplaces that I felt like I ended up putting too much in, which I think many can relate to. And, and then I mostly have felt the impact of, of chaos on my physical and mental health. So David asked me because it's something that I is very near and dear to me is finding practices that help mitigate that and that are easy to implement while also understanding if you're more of a thinker or feeler and how to relate with chaos and how to be able to access presence when it feels like presence can be so hard to access right now. Yeah. I mean, like even 
this morning we were just talking about as we started this podcast, both of our mornings got interrupted in a way that was unexpected. And I feel like that the one thing that's consistent is that things are uncertain and that you have to be able to sort of roll with the waves and roll with it. And so you have to be able to have tools that can support you in that. And a lot of that comes from identifying what makes you feel you're in a chaotic environment. Because what's chaos for me might be a, w- a way higher threshold than chaos for you or someone else, right? Right. For me, I've been able to learn some of the small tools about chaos and presence from you. And that's why like, I am in no way an expert in this topic, but I do understand the value of it. And I think through just self-learning, through my other relationships, through some tools that you've taught me through our friendship, I've been able to like pause in moments and rely on some quick tools. So while I'm learning tools now and actively trying to implement uh, more daily practice, I've been able to process chaos normally because I tend to think a lot. Like you mentioned, thinker feeler. I tend to be thinking through things quite a bit. Then I feel through things quite a bit. Then I think through things quite a bit and feel through things again. And, and for me, the, um, the emotion side, uh, and I, on the Myers-Briggs, I'm, I'm a feeler, so tapped into more of the emotional side, but I think a lot through information as well. My personal DNA is I tend to not get super high about things. So if it's something really excited, I'm like, yeah, cool. And my wife or our friends will be like, I thought you really liked that concert. I'm like, what are you talking about? I did. It was amazing. They're like, yeah, you said it was cool. I'm like, and it was. <laughs> They're like, wah, wah, lackluster. (laughs) So it's it's kind of been this joke among uh, family and friends that I just don't get that super excited, Uh, even though I am like internally, I feel like I am. Well, you're steady. That's that's what it sounds like to me is that you're steady and there's like a a sense of grounding that comes with you. And I think that 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 you probably attract people like myself that can be excitable where I'm much more like a roller coaster because- you could anchor me and I can pull you up or down, right? So I think that we attract partnerships in friends and relationships and beyond that, that can help bring us to a different vibration. Right. Yeah. Because it works the other way too. So I don't get super excitable. I also remain pretty calm in the valleys. So so it's the same kind of energy that comes out when something, when things are really bad. I'm able to be that anchor and calm and I don't get too down. You know, I quickly get to that playing out the fears conversation. I, I quickly am able to make decisions and, and kind of keep my wits and, and be rational even yeah. in those low moments. But again, like just going to our current society, I, I think that that's a, a little bit like an emotional muscle and I'm tired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so even though I can be this steady presence, that's another reason why I wanted to bring up this particular topic. I'm really tired and I just need more shots of pausing, shots of breath, and some of the other tools that you and others have given me over the last several years that I think that others could really use too. Yeah, I think that you know, we feel good about being able to pivot quickly, like you know, businesses especially and parents and well, everyone, every person has been called to pivot quickly. And so that's a response to chaos that 
is also productive, but it's just another exertion of energy. So just like what you were saying, like, yeah, if you're feeling steady, like you're still exerting energy if you're, even if it doesn't come off as you being overly responsive one way or another, it still is an energy output. And I think that that's what I always go back to is like, just how do we balance our energy? That's the way that I think all of the time. And that even though I'm, I grew up in an environment where I feel like I'm prime for used to chaos. The fact that I feel so depleted from it is I think just human nature, regardless if you feel like you think preventatively and play out the worst case scenarios and, and then come to terms and then you can pivot because you've, you've already put those things in motion. But that's like, that's a lot of brain activity. That's a lot of physical activity. That's a lot of activity regardless of how it presents. And I think that growing up in an environment like that, you actually can take anxiety into your body or be more prone to anxiety too. And that's how it translates. And so I struggle with anxiety and half the time it feels like I don't even know why I'm anxious and I'm in such a head space. So this is that thinking space that David and I talk about thinking versus feeling, even though I'm also feeling on that test but that shows you that I need to go there more, right? So when I'm in the thinking space, usually anxiety comes from the fact that we're living in the past or living in the future in our mind. Also on top of probably having way too many things that we're trying to process or that we're trying to tend to. And in order to understand where the anxiety is coming from, one of the practices that I do is taking a minute to pause and writing a list of all the things that I'm ruminating on. And it could end up being a list of 50 things. And suddenly just the act of writing it down, not only is that a letting go, it helps me see that I'm trying to do way too many things or that I'm spreading my mental capacity too thin. And then it becomes very clear to me when I'm seeing it visually with my eyes, what I can do now. And I think anxiety is a little bit about feeling out of control and a lack of control. So if you can even break it down to a place where you're like, here's the one thing that I can do right now and the rest of it doesn't matter. This, this process of writing it down is a process of letting that go for right now. And sometimes you don't have that access to a pen and paper. I use my phone a lot or you could talk it out. Find someone that is just like David and I were talking about that balances you that you can have a safe space of zero judgment and you can just dump it out yeah. and not feel like they're going to take it on. This naming activity, I think for me is, is kind of that first step, you know, to, to even manage the chaos, just to write things down is such a great practice. It, it connects the physical. If you can physically write it down, it connects the physical with the, emotional, but just being aware of what is causing you the chaos. That's kind of the same as like playing out your fears when you write it down, when you name them, it's like they have less power and control. You asked me that question, like, okay, well, we're going to talk about chaos. What causes me chaos? You asked me that. And it kind of hit me like I had to pause and think about it. But eventually I was able to get to like, when I set too many expectations. I tend to be a little bit on the perfectionist side of things sometimes. That can cause chaos because I don't meet my own expectations, which are often unrealistic. Mm -hmm. um, 
and then like I get sometimes like my days get caught up like like today where something throws me off and and I end up doing work that doesn't feel as meaningful or just tedious or you just kind of have to do it it's like a chore like taking the trash out like it's, it's necessary but it keeps me away from work that I just love when you asked me to name it and I said that out loud like it really helped me see the triggers of more chaos more often and I think that that was for me that was really helpful well I mean something I've learned about you and the reason why we're connected and I'd imagine anyone listening to this probably shares in the fact that they want to do purpose-driven work and if you are cut from that cloth where if there's no purpose or heart behind it that you can connect to it can be really hard to motivate and so or not even motivate rather the work that you have to do that's the necessary piece of the puzzle that makes it all come together that can feel purposeless even though it serves your purpose is probably chaos producing or anxiety producing and one thing that I was just thinking about when you were saying is I feel like I bet most people have never been asked what causes them stress or what yeah. causes them chaos. Like what if in interviewing someone or in just having a conversation, we started to understand and gave someone the opportunity to ask themselves that without judgment and be able to say like, Oh wow. Like I didn't even know that that caused you stress and that that was an, an essential piece of our co-working relationship. Maybe there's a solution to that and it could really mitigate a lot of things. Can you imagine if we ask someone like what, what causes chaos for you or you've never been asked what stresses you out? Boy, that, that right there, one, we're just talking about the tool of naming it. And so I was thinking about, yeah, I need to like name it and how helpful that was even in preparing for this, this episode for me to name it. But then if you do have that tool or you do really well with that, or you want to even take your relationships further to then be proactive in relationship to ask that question of someone else, not only does it help teach that tool to your immediate friends and family or network, but it also inherently creates additional safety for that relationship, you know, yeah. by asking that question. So I didn't think about using that tool in a proactive relational way and I think that that's a really great exercise as well because we're all just so stressed out right now and we need relationships more now than ever and thank god we do have these tools to use at this moment like yeah like right now we're in such a virtual world and the tools out there are incredible like I love all these project management tools and I love the capacity to connect virtually. I mean, I, I don't know what we would do without it. It's such a blessing, especially as an extrovert like myself. But I do find that things like Slack, while I love it, can be interruptive. And so one of the tools I told David that I do is that I, you know, I'm sure many people have heard of time blocking, but having loose time blocking where you're able to shut off maybe two of the inputs that we have because we have so many inputs. I mean, if you have your Slack on and your notifications on five apps, and then you also have your text messages and phone calls, you could get potentially interrupted up to, from up to, you know, at least five to 10 different inputs. And that's something that causes me chaos is when I can't find any flow because it's 
it's, it's like also a muscle memory. You hear that ding and you get that satisfaction, but in actuality, it feels like stress. We spoke about that in another podcast. And with Slack, it feels like sometimes just another extension of texting, which is the intention. But there are tools to say, do not disturb. And I think more and more people are honoring when people have prime hours and it's a tricky thing. And I know that when I feel like my flow is disrupted, sometimes I can put that frustration or resentment out on the person that disrupted it when it's not them. It's sort of the built-in way that we are operating now to co-work virtually. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's so true. Hey, go. I want to go back. Um, you, you were talking about how powerful it was to ask someone what causes chaos and you know how how powerful that can be to know that to create that safety is there a positive way to ask that question too like it like yeah what if you even ask someone what helps you or what's a time that you felt really present and like what were the elements of why you felt so present for me it would typically has to do with an element of nature being involved in it so being outside and engaged conversation, which would mean that I felt I was bringing my, my full self. It was something that was exciting to me. So there is a level of excitability that isn't chaotic. And I don't know, I think it's like feeling all of my senses cause, and feeling really like I can be available for that, which is right in front of me. And the, lack of worrying about something that had happened in the past or the anticipation of something to come. Yeah. What would it be for you, David? Like what's one of the last times you felt the most present and what was it about it? Well, it's definitely nature for me. And so things like riding my bike, give me some headspace. It's, it's being outside right now. I, there's some thunderstorms going on around me and I just absolutely love rainy days and thunderstorms. And yeah. so, and I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why I actually like coffee a lot because it just makes me want to sit and pause and, and be present. So that's one of the things for me is, is nature. To me, it's like, if you're in a rainstorm, you're forced to sort of stay in or stay inward. And I think you're someone that's so introspective. So right. get the environment that gives you the opportunity to be introspective and not yeah, too out you there. Know, I think that that might be true because even when you ask that question again, you know, I'm an extrovert as well, which is something I recently learned because <laughs> I do a lot of introspection. I, th I always thought I was an introvert. Yeah, we're preparing for a Myers-Briggs personality episode here soon. So we went in a deep dive and I'm like blaringly an extrovert. <laughs> instead of an introvert yeah so when you asked me that question again just now the other thing it made me think of is how much i love winter like i love all the seasons i love summer and i love getting out but i love winter and the snow and fire and hot chocolate and your personality type is driven by introspection and as a teacher and so like all the things that you want to do is you want to talk deep you want to go deep and those environments that allow you deep connection too which is like I mean, I'm sure that your dream would be to be like trapped in a cabin with your loved ones in the, on a winter day so you could read and have great conversation and good food. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, I, I was even thinking when you said that you like biking and that that makes you feel present. I am the same with mountain biking and mountain biking makes me feel the most present because there's an, a level of like, if I don't pay close attention right now, I could hurt myself. And I, I was just thinking, oh my gosh, everyone that does anything adrenaline junkie wise, or when you're doing something that involves thrill, I think that can also slap you, you into presence because there's a little bit of an element of risk or, or fear. So you have to be completely present and in, in, in your, in your space. Yeah. So everything that you're mentioning, one of the things that I think is important to talk through as we talk about being present in the midst of chaos, when I first think about that, it, it, may, it makes me think through, okay, how do I incorporate 30 minutes of meditation or yoga? How do I incorporate like biking more regularly, which is something that I am trying to do, but my schedule doesn't allow me to do it as much as I want to. I think that there's some concern to practicing presence and then adding something significant to your schedule and therefore making your schedule more stressful and chaotic. Like this, it's this really weird kind of loop. What I like about the things that you're talking about. So uh, we're talking about naming it, identifying things like nature, you know, there, there are these small moments. And Mm -hmm. I think for many of people right now, anyway, because the world is just so filled with chaos, these micro tools are the ones that I think are just super helpful. Yeah. I think, Uh, something as simple as washing your hands in cold water. I mentioned it, but there's this whole world of water therapy that you actually move blood flow. So you can move blood out of your brain or even your heart space and then flush it back. So it can be as simple as like, how perfect is it that I'm telling you to wash your hands during COVID? (laughs) But that can also be, I I would suggest like ending with cold water because that's when the circulation and the circulatory system responds in that way. So that's one tool that I practice, or if you're taking a shower, you can also rinse in cold water and you'll start to actually crave it because there's an energy shift that happens, but it does, it's a little tough, not going to lie to when you first do some cold water. And even as simple as putting your, your feet on the earth or on the ground, because we're such cerebral beings, we live in our head and chaos is a product of that that we often forget to, that we even have feet holding us up. And so that's this, you know, this movement of more and more bare feet, even bare feet running is bring you back into the way that your body operates and, and grounds you. So I, I try to do that at least once a day. It helps having a toddler and it being summertime. It's definitely trickier in the winter, but my biggest suggestion is always to just like drop the expectations and do something and say, you'll do it for 10 seconds. And then just that you'll do that for 10 seconds every day. And, and then it becomes that 10 seconds is nothing. So it's easy to find your heart space, find your breath. Um, One, gosh, when was this? I think it was on the, Spotify has these new mindfulness tools that they do daily. And there's this really cool breathing technique that I've used in the, uh, with when I have anxiety or I need to click back in 
and you actually use your thumb to trace your fingers. So you use your thumb at the base of your pinky and you breathe in to the top of your pinky and you breathe out to the bottom of your pinky. And then you go to your, your ring finger and you breathe in to the top of that and you breathe out to the next. And all you do is, I mean, that's four breaths and it takes no time. And that can be a complete clicking into presence. And I thought that was such a cool tool that it's like, you need nothing. You need your hand. Right. You know, it reminds me of, um, what is that hit exercises like high impact? Oh yeah. 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 Like high intensity interval training, H I I T with gyms not being open and people trying to get some exercise in, that's been probably one of the most popular tools that I've used because the it's sort of like high reward for very low I say low risk because I feel like it's very low time investment you know you could do 10 minutes of you could do five minutes of hit exercise even and that's doing the same thing as what I was talking about it's like you right. know getting it, your heart rate up to match the chaos and then letting it rest getting it up let it match because don't yeah, you sometimes like, feel like when you're chaotic or anxious, you like want to go on a run or like just like get up to where you're, you feel like you are and then it will dissipate after that? Right. It feels, yeah, it feels like the same energy that can be applied to the emotional space. So it's the same principles, but to the emotional space. So like if you have that, if you do the naming and then mm-hmm. you can identify triggers and then you can create that habit of a 10 second exercise like the thumb and finger breathing exercise then all of a sudden like that's then you're high, an expert that's presence high, person yeah. <laughs> high intensity impact <laughs> yeah high intensity but or high impact whatever it is ultimately we're just saying it's gonna work it'll feel good and it doesn't take much investment <laughs> it'll feel productive because i think that we're all feeling like the last thing you want to do is add something to, to your plate like you, you were saying david and when someone's like yeah, you just need to meditate more so you can handle chaos more. You're like, when am I going to meditate? So I have to get up earlier in the morning and then I have to learn how to do it. And, and then I have to sit with it and recognize my thoughts and blah, 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 blah. Like even just thinking about that, you feel more anxious because look at, I went five different directions in the course of 10 seconds. And you added chaos. Yeah. High intensity interval training. Yeah. High intensity interval training. Yeah. So I like that line of thinking around these kinds of exercises for the mental space. Yeah, cool. That you can that I think it, that it can what be applied in that way. What you mentioned about Slack is the same thing. Just turn off your notifications for an hour. Might give you enough it's a high in, intensity interval. Cuz that would that feels intense to me. I'm not going to lie. When I'm un, make myself unavailable, I feel anxious. So even though I've removed something I feel more anxious because I'm not available. And that's something that I'm working with constantly is not like, I'm sure so many people can relate to the fact that when something comes in, they just want to fix it. Cause like then if you can just get it off your plate as soon as possible, then that means that you've done something and you've made some progress and you feel some control. And I do that all the time. And so I've had a lot of success in that world, especially when I was in sales because I was so hyper responsive but then that became the norm. And then I was held to that standard. And then suddenly I was burned out. I was so tired of living in that chaos. And I was like, wait, like, what if I could just slow my role? Because it, having to respond and, and having that sense of urgency is 
adding to the chaos, no question. And I struggle with that. I, I feel like this, this is going to be an odd analogy. It feels like. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> it went, so when I grew up, um, I, you know, it's, it's the joke. My, my parents walked to school uphill in the snow both ways. Right. Uh, my, my, mo- my mom also had cactus on the way. So okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like our generation, or me anyway, it's like being disconnected from a phone is our version of that. Like when I grew up, I, I rode my bike everywhere on public mm-hmm. roads with no helmet. Like, not that I'm suggesting doing that. Like when I, I love road biking and I light myself up like a Christmas tree, you know, mm-hmm. so uh, for safety reasons. But I like, I did all of this stuff as a kid with no cell phone, by the way. They didn't exist. So I, it's like this generational thing. So, but now how the pendulum has swung to, there's no way I would ever let, my son when he turns 12 go do that kind of thing without a phone right my my mom wrote this incredible short story about how she and this was in gosh this was like probably early 60s she took a bus back by herself when she was like 14 and it was like a three-leg bus trip from uh minneapolis back down to Louisville, colorado and it's the craziest short story the entire time I thought for sure she was going to get murdered or something because she's a great, beautiful story writer. That's not the case, but I can't even fathom that. And there was no phone. She like, they misquoted her on how much, like it was supposed to be a dime and it was two dimes. And it's like, I I just, (laughs) I, I think that that's all so fascinating compared to where we're at now. So while we have these amazing tools and we absolutely want to use them, but they also seem to be adding to some of the chaos. So it's, it's like, there's no question about it's that. It's like a phone. It's, it's like a tiger, like it's an animal. Right. And so it has amazing power and energy and, but it also is something that needs to be tamed. Mm. So how do we put these tools in the workplace? And this talks about work-life balance too, like unplugging from work. Uh, Mm -hmm. is so so much more difficult because these tools are here how do we recognize it like put all these chaos tools in practice so we recognize it first and now we very practically speaking tame it for an hour and at first it feels stressful but then we get used to it and then we can do it a little bit more and a little bit more and then really try to manage it without it adding to the chaos yeah and you know, the the conversation of boundaries is always a big thing. And so if you can do micro things, like, I like the idea of asking for permission. Like, I think at one point, you know, with you, I've, I've like asked for permission to not do as much as I was holding myself to. And you said, of course, like, so you validated that I was maybe going over the top and that it was my own self-induced chaos And I asked for permission to not, which can be hard because I think that if you're used to personal or professional environments that reward intense work ethics, which I think is also just a societal thing that we're sort of questioning right now. But if you are used to that, then then you've been rewarded for doing more. I mean, commissions is just that, right? For sure, like sales structure. 
but even just environments where you're rewarded if you don't go home on time or, and it can be subtle. It can be super, super subtle, but that can add to the chaos. And so you have to, to practice asking for permission to be able to start to trust that you actually do have permission. And it takes, it takes a lot of time. And I've been working through how I tend to trust more than not. So then I can get myself in certain environments that can deplete me more than not. And so one of my biggest work over the last two years has been finding that internal discernment to ask the right questions, to find environments that are less chaotic. And so first I had to understand what caused me chaos. And then I had to be able to understand how to ask that environment or that person to understand if that element of chaos existed in that environment. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I think you're spot on that. It's a societal, you know, it's kind of just creeped into the societal norms. Like it's almost like uh, when you introduce yourself or you see someone, Hey, how are you? You know, immediately you go to, and then the answer is good. Now we may or may not be good, but that's, that's the appropriate greeting and response. I think in the work environment, how are you doing? Man, I'm really busy right now. And what we're kind of saying is, oh, well, I'm really successful. Look how busy I am. Uh, right. An- another like rewarded language. Right. There was a book that I read a couple years ago called Essentialism. And they highlighted some of this where it used to be like a C- C-suite individual would say something like, yeah, I'm only getting four hours of sleep a night because look at how much I'm working. And the currency of that has shifted to where sleep is super valued uh, mm. and because rest and taking care of yourself has become super valued. And so it's become the opposite where if you're a CEO of a company and you can say, wow, I'm getting like eight, nine hours of sleep a night. That's what's telling people that you're successful, not that you're burning the candle at both ends. So I think that like it, to me, it partially all relates. So we're pulling it back to work and business and, and, how we can be employers or, or leaders of teams. One is to recognize the chaos and start to implement the tools that we've talked through today, but also then to create the environment and level of relationship that is safe for our employees to do the same thing. And oh, by the way, it makes financial sense to do it when a team is, if you see the tools and impact of rest and, and therefore uh, through rest, you actually get more productivity Imagine if you can create the same environment for your work or when we're talking about relationally, like seeking out people who can be sounding boards, seeking out people who can help you feel safe in bringing chaos to one another. Imagine what employment can look like if you can kind of create the same thing. So you as an employer or team leader can do so much for your team to create the safe spaces because in real, in work, we're just, we're just still relational beings. We're still interacting with one another. And yeah, I think that those tools are really great to look at. Yeah. I think that the takeaway I would encourage everyone to do is just simply ask yourself and ask someone or many that you relate with what was one of the last times they felt the most present and why. And I think that in itself, you could also ask, you know, what causes chaos, what, when, when you feel like you're in a flow or you're in the zone and suddenly something happens and it makes you feel like you are off the track, what is that? And what's the, what are the essences of both of those things? Because that would allow you the 
self-awareness in asking yourself, but also the interpersonal awareness and relating with these people that that I think could be a gift in this time to all of us. Yeah. You were telling me a story about your sister, I think, and, and talking to her employer. They're like, I could never ask for that. And then you encouraged them to ask for that. And then the employer gave it to them. Oh, well, I was talking to my cousin the other day and she had to establish a boundary, a COVID related boundary because the details had come through from the state about regulatory things that she would have to do in order to complete her work. And it made it so that the, this gig that she had coming up was pretty much totally unviable, but she had to let down someone for their event, which was already, I mean, I think anyone having an event, whether it's a congratulatory event, a birthday event, a wedding or a trip, there's been so much let down right in that space right now. So she was feeling super compassionate to the fact that she's like, great, I'm going to be like another layer of inconvenience for this person as they're about to get, you know, they've already changed their wedding once. And then now I'm, I'm pulling this out from under her feet. And she called me scared about what she had put out there and it was nothing, there was nothing she could do, but it was also honoring her. And she felt relieved in knowing that she could then no longer do this because it didn't serve her personally. Mm-hmm. And so she calls me saying her response is going to be this, 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 or this. And so what we immediately did is like, okay, let's talk through worst case scenarios. And then even in the worst case scenarios, then let's still think about your position and how does your position still sit with you, even if the response is the worst it could be? And there was still this steadfast nature where like, if I'm coming from this present place of like, what actually feels good for me, I can trust that no matter what, even the worst case scenario, this is what. And then as we were talking through this, she gets a response from this person and is completely taken aback and surprised that there was utmost compassion and the worst case scenario, it's almost like going to the worst case scenario and just going there allows anything less than that to feel like a breath of fresh air because it's not that big of a deal. And that's what I love about people is that we surprise each other all of the time, sometimes for the worst, which can be chaos inducing, but for the most part, I think that when we do our own work around processing when we're trying to set a boundary or when we're trying to ask for permission for something and we feel in our own internal dialogue or with someone to validate you because it takes time to be able to do it solo, then that's, that's actually the most potent uh, amount of work than the feedback that you get regardless of what that feedback is. Yeah. I think what I love about that story is also that she in her role in the story wasn't the leader, mm-hmm. but it was the employee or the um, employed. Yeah. Yeah. The employed. So the contracted. Exactly. The, so the power dynamic that we sort of talk about. So it was still speaking up into, and I think that that's one of the things I try to think through about leadership is it doesn't matter. It's not a pyramid. It's not, you always lead down to other others, but a true leader is someone who leads all the way around them, lead up, lead in the peer relationship, lead down. Mm -hmm. And so this was a late way for her to personally create some boundaries that were healthy 
play out the fears so she could be prepared for what the worst case, but then be in that scenario was pleasantly surprised. So you can still lead up into, hey, this is chaos for me. And you can show your leaders above you what that conversation could be. And it might be great. And then I, I think worst case scenario, it might not be also. And that might but if you do the work, if you do the work, things. yeah, exactly. Then, then like, you know, like we're working on a, um, a logo for our podcast right now. And I, I keep telling the graphic designers that we work with and one of my dear friends, like sometimes you don't even know your opinion until you see something or you experience something. Right. And that's, those are opportunities for you to define your boundaries and to define what causes you chaos and what's sustainable and not sustainable. And that's why they always talk about, you know, it's like, well, I wouldn't be here if I hadn't gone through all that. Well, yeah, because you, you do need some of those crappy situations in order to define and say, like, that doesn't work for me. I didn't know it wouldn't work for me unless I had experienced that. Right. Right. Well, great conversation as always. I think that there's all of these small examples of micro tools. Mary, do you have any uh, more? No, do you have maybe a resource like is there a place that you find helpful information for like micro tools and practices? Uh, not one place in particular, but we'll share some resources because they come from all angles right now. A resource that I would encourage anyone to go through is uh, Deepak Chopra has done a couple of 21 day meditations for free online. And this one's really focused around sort of the health of the body and it's a very, very low, low requirement on time. So we'll share that too. That's what I'm currently going through. I'm on like day nine. And, and other than that, I think I've just been pulling together things over the last couple of decades. And, you know, I could share endless amount of resources, but we really wanted it to feel like it could be easy to implement. And we'll, we'll share more and check out our Instagram and our Facebook and our Twitter and our LinkedIn, because we will be sharing a lot more of what we're talking about here and then more that we didn't get to talk about as well. Yeah. And we're actually, uh, we have up and created a third place podcast playlist on Spotify and Apple music. I'm so excited about that. Did, and I think that this topic is perfect. You know, like for me, music is a grounding uh, yeah. space. So there's so many songs that can help kind of, calm me and create that safety uh, and give maybe often give me words that I don't know how to form together so music and poetry so check that out as well we're he here with you I think I think that that's the main thing like we're all in this together we talk so much about just the relationship and seeking out people and even in this digital podcast form we're here with you we're in the midst of chaos we're trying to figure this out we're sharing our relationship with you and we're learning from you as well so getting through chaos is a relational activity exactly we're we're super grateful to keep having these fun conversations and we hope that everyone has a moment of presence in even listening to this thank you everybody be well